Everything we do, everything we think, everything we believe, every behavior we adopt has underneath it a pattern in our brain that derives that action. And that's important to know because we're all spending a lot of time working on the wrong thing. Welcome. You're on air with Ella where we share simple strategies and tips from people who are doing something better than we are. Whether it's wellness or relationships to just living better and with more energy, or changing your mindset to accomplish more in your own life and succeeding however you define it. This is where we share the best of what we're learning from the experts and we're learning more every day. Live better, start now. Let's go. Hey, you're on air with Ella and today I am joined by Ms. Adele Spragan. Hey Adele, how are you? I'm great, Ella. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. You're coming to us from Toronto today? Uh, Just outside of Toronto. Yes. All right. Fantastic. We're glad to have you. Adele, I wonder if you could kick us off by sharing with us who you are and what you do. Sure. I'm a behavioral change expert. I work with people's brain patterns. So I help people to change their actions, their behaviors, their beliefs that are no longer working for them. And I do it using a specific four-step repatterning technique. We are obsessed here on the On Air with Ella podcast with the idea of habit change, of creating more of what we want and less of what we don't. I've had a lot of conversations about how our brains work, how we can have them work for us, not against us. But Adele, I don't know about you. I have found that this is ongoing, never over work on our part to kind of build the life that we want. What's your take? You know, it's a journey. It's not a destination. But I think much of how we approach personal development, Ella, today is driven by a left brain hemisphere's way of working. Okay. And frankly, it's missing something. And so, yes, it is hard slog when we use the traditional approaches. It's consistent. It's always having to do something, be something other than what we feel we are. But when we're working in the whole brain, when we really understand how the brain functions and how it works, it's actually much easier than we give it credit. The brain is designed to be upgraded. It wants to upgrade. We just have to give it the tools to do that. You spend a lot of time talking about patterns, patterns that we create. In other words, the neural pathways that we have spent many, many years creating, and then we often find ourselves operating on autopilot. Can we spend a minute talking about patterns and your definition of them? Firstly, you say that not all patterns are created equal. In fact, you look at it as there are three types of patterns. What are they, Adele? Yes. So I love that, what you just said, a a pattern, basic, simplified definition of a pattern is a neural pathway in your brain. But we can define a pattern also as a physical sensation, an emotion, and a thought. When the three parts of our being come together and intertwine, it results in our action, our behavior, our belief. I'm going to repeat that. It's really important. The definition of a pattern is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, and thought. That gives rise to an action, a behavior, a belief. So everything we do, everything we think, everything we believe, every behavior we adopt has underneath it a pattern in our brain that derives that action. And that's important to know because we're all spending a lot of time working on the wrong thing. We keep working on the situation or on ourselves or on other people rather than just removing the pattern that is in the brain. Sounds so easy. (laughs) 
it is it's very okay let me put it this way Ella it is extremely simple simple is not easy because our brain tends to overcomplicate things in ways that it shouldn't and doesn't need to but yes uh, it is very very simple very simple if you have a problem you have a pattern in your brain that has that problem remove the pattern the problem goes away Adele, I think that this is so useful to understand and its simplicity is the magic. And one thing that I want to sort of connect the dots on here is this can be any goal you are trying to achieve in your life, any behavior you're trying to change in your life, any outcome you are seeking to create for yourself, whether it's a physical manifestation of something, you know, a job or getting out of debt, that sort of thing, or, you know, becoming the type of person that you want to be. So with that, that in mind, I think it's useful for us to all hold space for some pattern we'd like to create or break as we go through this conversation. I know, Adele, that a lot of times it's super easy to resort to tropes such as, oh, I want to start exercising or, oh, I want to start making more money. And those are just really easy because people understand them. But in your work, what types of patterns are people striving the most to create or break? Well, let's just take one that probably every person is familiar with. I'm not good enough. How about we just take that belief? Because I don't know a single person on this planet before they start repatterning that does not hold that belief in some form or another. I'm not educated enough. I'm not thin enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not young enough. You know, enough, 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 right? So choose one. Whatever you say about yourself right now, this is excellent. We can use it. Okay. So what drives that belief? I'm not good enough. If we start to understand how the brain works, we have to re-question everything that we have been taught to understand about ourselves and about the world out there. The first thing I'd like everybody to know, and, and Ella, I'm going to go back to what you were saying earlier about what are the three types of patterns in a minute. So I'm going to ask everybody to hold space for that question. What you first need to know is that the human brain is locked inside a dark and silent room. There is no sound in the skull. There's no taste in the skull. There's no sight in the skull. There's no sound. There's no sound. There's no touch. There's nothing in there other than these electrical impulses, which are flying down neural pathways. So each time when you were born, the human brain is unlike other animals. It is not born instinctively knowing what to do. You have to learn everything. So how do you know what to do? Well, what happens is from the moment you're born, every new situation that you enter into, your brain takes the action that you took and stores it away for future use. It goes, okay, if the brain could speak, this is what it would say. All right, that's great. I managed to get through that situation. I'm going to store that action away because obviously that's what needed every time I encounter this situation. And so every time you encounter a similar situation, the first thing your brain does is it goes first to, do I have a pattern in my brain to deal with this situation? Because that's the fastest route to action. That's the thing that is going to make you survive the most. It doesn't look out here at the situation. It looks first inside itself. And then you take that action. When you were little, when you were five years old, do you think you weren't good enough at some things? Like perhaps, just maybe, you just didn't have enough knowledge, enough understanding of the world, enough experience to create a pattern that actually works. So, but inside your brain, your brain has stored a pattern, a five-year-old, six-year-old, 10-year-old pattern that continues to take that action. And that's why we all have that voice inside. It's nothing about your capacity or what you're capable of doing. It has everything to do with the fact 
that you created a pattern when you were little that continues to operate today. So what is a pattern then in terms of these three types of patterns that Ella was mentioning? There are patterns that work. What does that mean? There are patterns that you created in your past that continue to drive a result that works today in the situation that you're in. There are patterns that don't work. Those patterns that you created in your past that now the current situation has moved on and it's obsolete, but it doesn't know it's obsolete, so it keeps taking the same action. And those patterns don't work, not because they're bad, just because they're misaligned. And then there are optimal patterns. Ella, does that make sense? Patterns that work, patterns that don't work. It does. And I also think that it can let one off the hook in a way where we're looking at things as fundamental flaws in our nature. And really, it's just a pattern that we have created over time. That's right. I like to say there's nothing to fix. There's nothing broken. There are just obsolete patterns that just create the impression that we're broken or that we need to fix something. No, instead, let's just remove that pattern. It just no longer works. So yes, simple. Let's get now to optimal patterns. And what is an optimal pattern? Well, I said earlier that our brain is always trying its best to make corrections. It is doing its best all the time to align itself as best it can with the situation that you're in. I used to say the brain's a little lazy. That's not true. The brain is totally, totally invested in your survival. And as I said before, the fastest route to action is an existing pattern. So it won't try and correct a pattern in the brain unless it really has to. It will prefer to use those past created patterns as much as possible. And frankly, it doesn't matter if you're suffering inside of them. As long as you're taking action, that's all the brain cares. So it's doing its best. But sometimes if it encounters something that it has never seen before in its situation, it has to create a new pattern. And so those corrections are actually happening quite often, spontaneously. We want to make that systematic. We want to be able to put a tool in your pocket so that you are able to say, okay, this pattern is not working for me. I am going to do what, I'm going to cause the brain to do what the brain does, remove that pattern and replace it with a better one, okay? In that replacing it with a better one, those now are optimal patterns. They are created out of all of your adult experience, all of that knowledge that you now have. The brain uses all of that now as fodder, as, uh, uh, they uses it to create the optimal pattern, and that's what makes it optimal. So this is how we're going to get you to your goals. It is not by you striving to correct something to get to your goals. It is by removing the old pattern that is not taking you in the direction you want to go. And then your brain does what your brain does. It will immediately create a new pattern, and that pattern is optimal. It is, comes without a wisdom, it comes with experience, and it takes an optimal action. Because we're human, Adele, so often we, when we engage in patterns that we don't like, whether it's how we respond in an argument or a tough conversation or something that we're doing or not doing with our bodies or our time, a lot of the time we immediately revert to shame, or as you said, that feeling that something must be wrong with us because other people seem to be able to do this. What is wrong with me? So what role does 
sort of self-forgiveness play in our ability to even accept that we can change our patterns in the first place? Yeah, that's such a brilliant question. We swim in a world of blame and shame. Nobody noticed, right? If, if it's if it's not somebody else's fault, then it must be ours because there has to be a fault somewhere, okay? But when we understand how the brain works and how the brain just stores up patterns, then self-forgiveness is just a given. Because let's think about this. When you were five years old and you encountered a situation, did you mean to store that pattern away? Did you deliberately say to yourself, okay, I'm going to keep that. I'm going to put that in the pattern box so that next time I encounter my now husband, I'm going to yell at him when he walks through the door. No, you didn't mean to do that, right? Your pattern, your brain just does that. And here's the thing, that neuroscience today is changing everything that we think about how we work everything. We have to now start questioning, whoa, wait a minute, we've got it all wrong. If you did not choose to store the pattern in the first place, and if that pattern is responsible for taking the action that you're taking, where's the blame? Where's the blame in you? Where's the blame for other people? We have become strongly convinced in this idea that everybody is choosing their actions. We don't. Our patterns choose our actions. We might be able to shift from choosing to use this pattern to using another pattern, but we're still, it's still a choice being driven by the pattern in our brain. So we need a way, we need a method of subtraction. We need to be able to remove the pattern that doesn't work rather than blaming ourselves, striving to fix it, making something wrong, blaming somebody else, determining who's right, who's wrong. All of that goes away. Pattern makers don't play that game. We just say, is this working and must work for everybody? If it doesn't, we just remove our pattern. That's freedom and that's power. There is something tremendously powerful in being able to do that. This is a real thought exercise for me because I am a very big advocate for personal accountability. And so my pattern <laughs> is triggering me to hear that as almost like it's letting us off the hook. But what I'm realizing about what you're saying is, the power still resides with you, but you're by objectifying the problem and looking at it objectively, meaning I'm not flawed. I'm not broken. I'm not a disaster. I'm not a mess. I'm just running a pattern that is not workable. I'm running a pattern that is not fit for the situation. Then that actually puts the power in my hands to change it. it do That's I have right. that right? You got it exactly right. It is actually makes you even more responsible than the blame methods that we're taught to use. It makes us more capable to respond, able to respond, I am responsible, right? But it also makes us more responsible for the pattern itself rather than for the action behavior belief. You don't cause the action behavior belief, but you do have a tool in your pocket to deal with the pattern. That, A, gives you something effective that can actually change the action behavior belief rather than just flipping from one pattern to another inside the brain. And B, makes you totally uh, responsible for what you do. 
It's like, yeah, that's my pattern. Oh, great. Awesome. I'm so happy that this conflict showed up right now because I've got a tool. I'm going to go deal with it. I'm, I'm going to go do something about it. Right? And when I work with couples, they go from being on the verge of divorce, Ella, to being like newlyweds again within six weeks. Because once they get it, it's like, oh, yeah, it's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's just a pattern. I'm going to go deal with that. And boom, they go deal with their pattern and the argument's gone. It's over. It's so funny that you say that, Adele, because the two examples from my own life that I was thinking of is firstly, you know, what is marriage if not one big mirror held up to all of your patterns? That's the least romantic and most accurate definition of marriage or long term relationships is a big fat mirror held in front of your patterns. So that one springs out at me. Another one that I've shared on the show before is I had a period of my life where I was really in a disordered relationship with food and eating and the way that I experienced all of that. And for so long, I was in this endless cycle of trying to think my way out of it and condemning myself for being in it and feeling the obvious shame that comes with that sort of behavior and what feels like an addiction, Adele. What occurred to me through doing the work and reading from people who knew better than I or had been through it is that I had created a habit. It was a coping habit, but I had created a habit. Another word for a habit is a pattern. I had created a pattern and that pattern no longer suited me. And the moment I was able to think of it as a pattern that was no longer workable, to use your words, was the moment I realized that I could displace it, I could replace it with different habits, with different patterns. And that actually gave me the power to fix it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if we just see everything that we're doing that doesn't work in that light, oh, hang on a minute. It's just a pattern. All right. All I got to do is remove it. Now, again, you're powerful. Doesn't matter what you face. Here, I'm going to give everybody new operating instructions. Ready? Okay. The old operating instructions, you're going to be familiar with them. I'm just going to run through them. Set a goal. Determine the steps to get to that goal. If you don't know how to take those steps, find somebody who does and follow in their footsteps. Everybody familiar with that? If you're still not taking those steps, there is something wrong. So figure out what's wrong. It's either you, it's the goal, it's the steps that you've been given. Make sure you correct all of that. If you're still not getting to that goal, there's definitely something wrong with you. Quit, start again. Okay, I did this for, oh gosh, 47 years. I played that game and I got nowhere. Then I went, it can't be me. I've done everything that everybody has ever told me to do. And I was such a people pleaser and such a good little girl. I had those patterns going for me. I did everything and I still kept quitting. So I thought, all right, what's going on here? So I took myself to university. I learned about the human brain. I really studied what is at the base of these decisions. And here are your new operating instructions. Set a goal. Do not ask, how do I get there? Your next question is, why am I not there right now? You will notice as you ask that question that a whole bunch of beliefs come up, such as I'm not good enough, a whole bunch of behaviors, such as I procrastinate, a whole bunch of behaviors start to ripple up to your brain and you'll start to become aware of these. Oh, yeah, I'm avoiding. Oh, yeah, I don't want to pick up the phone and make those phone calls. That That's scary. All of that stuff starts to arise. whole bunch of actions or lack of actions starts to come to mind. Great. What you've just done is you've just identified the top of the iceberg. So I'd like everybody to think of your brain as an iceberg. At the top of the water are all of your actions, all of your behaviors, all of your beliefs. Under the water is where those patterns lie. 
in order for you to hold a belief in your brain, to adopt a behavior, or to take an action, you first need a pattern that does that. Good. You've just identified what the problem is. It's all of those actions, behaviors, beliefs. Each problem is driven by a pattern. You are then going to get my book. I gift it to everybody. So so get the book. It'll give you a four-step technique. And you are going to remove each one of those patterns. And at that point, you will take steps in the direction of your goal. Why? Because you're building those optimal patterns with all of your adult experience, and you will be able to take those steps. Well, you say that traditional models rely on what you call strategies of addition and in efforts to find the answer to a problem, we keep adding to the complexity of the problem. And what you are a proponent of is a strategy of subtraction. Can you explain what you mean by that in this context and the idea that you must start from taking away? What does that mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, let's think about it. In the traditional approaches to goal setting and problem solving, you must add more and more problems to your plate. So let's just take that I'm not good enough that we were looking at initially. Here you have a pattern of not good, good enough. You go to a coach, you go to a therapist, you go to understand what that pattern is. And the first thing they ask you is, well, what was the originating incident? What happened in your past? Okay, let's say that you're somebody who doesn't remember their past. Now you have two problems. You have the problem of I'm not good enough, and you have the problem of not being able to remember your past and what happened. Okay, great. So then, you know, you you keep digging. You keep asking, okay, well, why can't I remember my past? Oh, my gosh, there must be something wrong with me. Now you've got three problems. You've got I'm not good enough. You've got the not being able to remember the past. You've got the problem of not being able to. Around and around we go. Just keep adding more and more and more problems into the mix. Instead, I'm not good enough. Oh, that's an unworkable pattern. That pattern is an intertwined physical sensation, emotion, thought. Good. I've got a tool in my pocket. I can remove that. Now the problem goes away. It's a method of subtraction, not addition. You're just going to subtract the problem by subtracting the pattern. Okay. We are going to share your book with everyone for free. Thank you very much for that. Where you walk them through the four steps of deconstructing these patterns. I would like to talk to you though, about some very common traps that come up for us when we try to make real change in our lives, Adele. What is the trap of analysis? And let's say, let's say I am trying to get out of debt. Therefore, I want to change my limiting beliefs around around money and I want to take the action of saving more and spending less. Let's use that as an example. What does an analysis trap look like to that person? Yeah, so there are four traps. And and what I mean by a trap is they just trap us inside the pattern. They just keep the pattern running. Okay, so that's important to know. The, The trap is that we're trapped inside of that action. The first thing you might do is if you got that issue that Ella's just talking about. I want to save money. I'm spending too much. The brain starts kicking up all of this evidence for why you have that problem. Oh, yeah. Like every time you go into a store, like this happens and it starts analyzing, 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 analyzing. What is it doing? If you think about what that does is it's constantly reinforcing that same channel in your brain. Analysis paralysis. Everybody's heard that. That's what's happening. It's just your brain is just getting locked into analyzing itself back into itself, supporting why you are the way you are. 
rather than just removing it. Does that make sense? Yes, because what you're trying to encourage us to do is to think about why am I not there now? What I suppose would life look like if I were there now? And when we get sucked into these traps, we're spending time marinating in the problem. Yeah, so not why am I not there now in order to analyze why we're not there now. Just what am I doing that is preventing me from having that goal today? Or what am I not doing, right? What behaviors am I adopting? What beliefs do I hold? That's identification. It's not analysis. See the difference? Yes. Analyzing asks the question, why? That's the problem with it. It keeps asking, why? Why am I like that? Instead of identifying, it sends you down the rabbit hole of why? Yeah, that's it. That's right. It keeps asking why rather than just saying what. What am I doing? What am I feeling? What is happening? Not why am I doing that? That's moot point. It doesn't matter why you're doing it. I love that because that why can be years and years and years of talk therapy and getting nowhere. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and I'm not condemn. I'm not. I'm not condemn. I'm not no, criticizing I, I, talk therapy. Hey, talk therapy is great. I mean, it really gives you different perspectives. It gives you different ways of looking at the issue. There's nothing wrong with that. But if we are going to take a new action. It is because our brain has a pattern to take that new action. And I don't care how you get there, but if you are taking a brand new action, it is because your brain built a new pattern. You need to know that. Okay. The next anecdote I'm going to share with you is someone is trying to reduce their alcohol consumption during the week. Like They they wouldn't label themselves as having a problem, but they just generally know that at the end of the day, it's not a pattern that they are too deep into this pattern and it's become a habit. So I would like you to explain the justification trap to someone in that situation. Yeah, brilliant. That that was me, by the way. I was I would drink a bottle of red wine a night until I repatterned it. Now I don't even look at wine. It doesn't not does, no interest. So amazing. Definitely capable of doing that. Okay. Justifying. How does that work? Notice how when you're trying to deprive yourself of something, right, your brain will find a reason why, and it will use the word because. Every time. It, every time. No, no, I have to do it because, you know, because I've had a rough day. No, because I deserve a reward. No, because I have friends coming over and I want to celebrate. No, because, and it just keeps adding that word because. So whereas analysis adds more and more options, more and more whys, okay, justification cuts off everything. It just reduces all the excuses down to one. No, it just has to happen because this is why it has to happen. (laughs) Again, running that same neural pathway over and over again. What is the antidote to the justification trap? Well, how do you stop your brain from doing that? Yeah. What you're asking? I have found that we are professional justifiers of all of the habits that we secretly want to keep. Oh, yes, absolutely. Or even the ones we don't want to keep. Yeah, consciously. Yeah. 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 (laughs) The brain doesn't care about logic. Okay. The brain is not interested in anything logical. It is interested in you taking the same action you took yesterday. It will use whatever means it can to get you to do that. So yeah, what's the antidote? You may have to have me back, Ella, because you just asked a massive question. (laughs) But let me just try and simplify. If you can tell your brain what it's doing, it will relax a little bit. Don't try and fix the problem of justifying or of analyzing. Just simply tell the brain, I am justifying. Okay, now, if you're caught up in this analysis, so your brain is like running down these rabbit holes, it's like, oh, gosh, and this and this and this and this and this. If you just gently say to it, I am analyzing, 
you'll notice that your brain actually pauses for a moment. It stops. It actually relaxes into that category. And in that split second, you can come back. If you've got my book and you know the tool, you can come back to applying the four steps. So don't fight yourself. There's no fight needed. If we use the brain in the way it's designed, we can use it very, very effectively to deal with anything that your brain is going to do. But you need to know, A, how your brain works, how to use language effectively. We use language very poorly. Um, We don't understand the alchemy of language, and it is an alchemy. But once we know how to use it, we can use it very, very powerfully. And telling the mind that it's justifying or analyzing or in one of its traps is the use of language in the correct way. So dragging it into the light, I think, is what can dispel a lot of these traps that we find ourselves in. So to use your your words, name it. Name it. Create that awareness that that is exactly what you're doing. So if you come home from a long day at work and you are justifying to yourself why you deserve that those couple of glasses of wine, and in fact, this is a habit that you're interested in changing, then just calling it what it is and saying, oh, I'm doing that thing where I justify again. I think you're saying the power resides in the awareness itself. Yeah, the power resides in awareness for sure. I mean, we have to first identify the pattern itself, the physical intertwining of sensation, emotion, thought. Those are three pieces of the pattern. You need to identify those. And when your mind is trapping you, you need to know what it's doing and you need to identify those traps. Yes, absolutely. Awareness is key and it comes first. Okay. One last trap that I just want to ask you about Adele, and that is the rebel trap. So let's say that that somebody wants to start a new creative endeavor and they just keep putting it off or they stay in consumption mode and they never switch to creation mode because consumption mode is safer, meaning they're reading and learning and listening, but they're not doing. So we want them, the pattern that they want to create is one of action where they actually do start that thing, you know, start writing that blog, open that business, whatever it may be. What would the rebel trap look like or sound like to that person? Okay. So the rebel trap is different from what you just described, Ella. Um, What's happening there is the problem. That pattern is probably catastrophizing. So catastrophizing is when we make things bigger or worse than they need to be. So here you are comfortable. You've got a pattern for learning. You've got a pattern for um, behind the scenes stuff and very comfortable there. Okay. There's some fear about stepping into the limelight. And so the catastrophizing trap will make that seem really scary and that you need to keep learning, keep keep researching. You don't know enough yet. That's the catastrophizing trap. Okay, let me explain the rebel trap. Some traps expand out. They look at lots of options. Analysis catastroph- and catastrophizing do that. They just make things bigger. Justifying and rebelling cuts things off. Rebellion is the trap that is a big, excuse my language, F you. You can't make me. It is stubborn. It is powerful. Okay. Whereas catastrophizing will make you feel smaller and weaker, typically. Rebellion will make you feel powerful and cut off. It's like no options. Nope, you just can't make me. I'm not doing it. Right. (laughs) That's the rebel trap. Okay, so there are four traps that you outline in your work, and you've touched on all four of them, the analysis trap, the catastrophizing trap, and then justification and rebel trap. I think that when we read about those, Adele, we will all recognize ourselves in them. 
Yes, for sure. I mean, if we're if we're trapped in unworkable actions, if we're doing the same things over and over again, and that includes behaviors, beliefs, guys, there is most likely a trap running. But here's the thing. Remember, Ella and I talked initially about self-forgiveness. If there's a trap running, which is keeping you stuck, please know it is just a pattern and that whatever you do is the result of an underlying pattern. There is nothing wrong. There is nothing fixed, nothing broken. Okay. So deep self-forgiving breath. Be gentle with yourself. Oh, I've got a trap and it is analyzing. Great. I can also treat that as a pattern and remove it. So in summary, Adele, what I love about your work that you are so generously sharing with everybody for free. So guys, I would actually treat this like a, like a workbook (laughs) to take a pattern that you're trying to build or change and run it through this machination, Adele's four-step repattering technique. But what in summary, what you're saying is instead of trying to think our way out of a pattern or interrupting the pattern, which is something that we've all read about or listened to or been taught. What I hear you saying is we must deconstruct the pattern that we currently have stored in our box, as you say, and replace them with optimal patterns that are aligned with our current situation. That's it. Ella just summed it up. That's exactly what you need to do. What an empowering way to think about behavioral change, Adele. Yes, yes. It's life-changing and literally life-changing. I mean, I've tried everything. I tried everything before I uncovered repatterning. And now it's like, yep, everything that I ever faced, it can be repatterned. Okay. We're going to share the four-step repatterning technique with everybody listening today. I can't thank you enough for that. I want to ask you for one more thing while I'm at it. And that is, what is one thing that you are loving right now that you would like to share with everybody listening? Oh, my cappuccino maker. Oh, <laughs> what kind? Oh, an old one. You know, the old fashioned one that you actually put the espresso in. And I am loving it. <laughs> I am absolutely loving it. I have a latte every morning and it's thrift shop. So I'm feeling really good about myself environmentally too. <laughs> I just I just want mine to come with a little person that makes the coffee for me every oh, that morning. Would be perfect, wouldn't it? <laughs> Adele, where would you like people to find you? If anybody's not a reader, please go to my website, adelspragan.com, and you can gain 30-day access into all of my training, and you can start repatterning right away. Okay, so there's video lessons in there, which gives you the same information as the book. If you want to get a copy of the book, all I ask is that people pay for shipping, and I will send you an autographed copy, and everything is in there. My goal is really to start a movement away from those old traditional approaches into a much more self-forgiving approach. So please grab the four steps and run with them. Adele, thank you for the work that you do. And thank you for your time. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me, Ella. Okay, that's a wrap. I hope you enjoyed today's show and got something out of it that you can use. If you did and you want to learn more, find me on Instagram at onairwithella or get the show notes and all the links shared today at onairella.com. There's no way. It's just onairella.com. Thanks for listening. Thank you for sharing the show. And thanks for inspiring me. You are quite simply awesome.